get full access to RFR only on Patreon. Become a member of the RFR Patreon community to get more Rebel Force Radio. Bonus shows and content are available right now only at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like the mail and UPS and FedEx, everything is taking so long, which must be a log jam after Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And I'm expecting some stuff. I I got to confess, I, I treat myself this time of year. You know, I've been a good boy for the most part, and I'm waiting for a whole mess of stuff, not just my stuff, but for the kids. And uh, one thing I'm I'm looking for there's a heck of a deal on the Hasbro Black Series full scale replica Darth Vader helmet, and I got to give a shout out to our pal Joel Kramer who alerted me via text. I quickly sent the text off to. Uh, uh, Jimmy Mack and uh, brother Billy Mack and said, this is unbelievable. This, this thing that retails for sometimes $100, sometimes like $120. And this, uh, this outlet online had it for $24.99. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed. I ordered it like two weeks ago and mm. it, I don't have any status on it. And uh, I know that some of the, uh, you know, the big carriers are having uh, issues with, I don't know what's going on. There's embargoes or there's, I don't, I don't know what's happening, but it seems like it's slowing down my shipments and I want my stuff. Yeah. Oh, I guess I'll just uh, have to have to be patient. But anyway, you don't have to be patient because we've got another episode of Rebel Force Radio coming at you right here, right now. The best in Star Wars talk this week's show for Friday, November 30th, 2018. The holiday season is officially here. And I am in the spirit of getting, I guess I complain about the crap not showing up. But <laughs> there's, there's stuff for the kids and friends and all sure, that. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. I swear. Sure. I swear. That other voice that you hear is, of course, none other than my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Yes, the Black Series Darth Vader helmet. I want it. And uh, we are left uh, waiting for it. And, and when... Things like this happen when there's delays like this. Then you start saying, "Well, that was too good to be true." I guess <laughs> you know you start getting nervous. I'm like wondering about this one. Yeah, I'm wondering about. I this saw one. a cool video that Hasbro posted up earlier this week showing the evolution of the Darth Vader helmet from the Darth Vader voice changer from about 14 years ago 
uh, through. Uh, then they had another Darth Vader helmet that actually had the voice changer tech actually in the helmet itself. The original had the tech in a little box, you know, the little chest plate box that Vader wears. And then leading up to the Black Series helmet that's out right now. And let me tell you, that helmet is so incredibly detailed and it, it comes apart in three pieces and it's uh, the most accurate yet affordable replication right. of Vader's helmet that I've ever seen. Now, of course, there's been things out there in the past that are just extremely high-end and very expensive, but this Black Series helmet just looks amazing, and it looks like it's a really nice display piece, and it's totally affordable, even when it's not as cheap as what we found it at. <laughs> but, I mean, we found it for, what, like 25 bucks? $25. Hey, well, it'll be a miracle if it shows up. I bought uh, last Christmas, I bought, it might have been two Christmases ago, but I bought the Black Series Stormtrooper helmet, the classic Stormtrooper helmet. And I... I I didn't even really look up any reviews on it, and I, I, I bought it for my son, uh, really to play in. And he played it, you know, in it for a little while, but it's a little, it's a little big, you know, for him, uh, because it's it's screen accurate in terms of the scale and everything. And I tell you, when you put that sucker on a shelf, it looks beautiful. It looks like he, he just it just came right off the uh, the film set. And if the in a Everything I've I've read and seen in, in reviews about this Vader one is it's it's the same thing. You know, you put it up on a you know on a on a mannequin head or a, a wig stand or what, I don't know, whatever I'm going to display it on. And um, yeah, you walk into the room and it looks like you got Vader's helmet standing there. So for twenty five bucks, how do you beat that? Can't go wrong. Can't go did, wrong. Did you do any shopping over the? Oh, no. Over the weekend? No, you no. didn't do any, like not online or, or, or anything, not even for you or for Wendy? Come on. Um, no, I mean, uh, no, I didn't. And uh, I uh, I will get around to it, but I just, um, I don't feel the uh, the urge is so hmm. uh, necessary at this point in time. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what people would like i have dylan's birthday which is on the 13th which is kind of you know oh I right forgot. in front of everything yeah, yeah so oh, that's yeah. A, and and he's turning 16 so mm. according to wendy tradition he gets 16 presents so uh oh is that the deal yeah, you so. get as many presents oh geez yeah. so i bought him a little uh pink floyd pin that uh you know you get a bunch of little stuff i think maybe <laughs> Maybe that'll get us through, but uh, but you know it's um, well. What about your Christmas list? Do you have anything on your oh, list? Oh no, no, uh, no, no, nothing. I don't. I don't. You have nothing. Come on. No, no, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't concoct lists. Um, well, I'm just saying. What, what uh, hypothetically, you know, as as a big Star Wars fan uh, and a collector, mm. is there anything that you've got that your eye on? Now, not that you're expecting other people to get it for you, but you're like, you know. Mm. If I happen to if I happen to be uh, surfing the web or cruising down the aisles at the Target or the Walmart, and I see this, I might have to pick that up. The uh, Emphis Nest on speeder bike from uh, the three and three quarter inch from Solo. Mm. That's uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't have that, and that looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So there, put that on the list. Okay, Emphis uh, Nest. Yeah. yeah. So just you and me this week. Last mm-hmm. week we had our big call-in show, and that was a huge, huge success. Um, apologies to everyone who flooded our switchboard and didn't get through, but we will be opening up the RFR hotline again. Hopefully I have one more live show before the year is up. 
Uh, I had so much fun doing that that uh, that's something I'd like to do a, a little more often here on RFR, Jason. You and me have talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, so if we can just get into a good groove with it, i got to admit I felt a little, a little rust on the gate, but that's okay. Um, I, I think once we... Uh, get more accustomed to the system and how all that works, we can uh, really smooth out the edges and have some great conversations. Oh, yeah. People, of course, online, especially on Facebook, continued some of the conversations that we were having on last week's show, popular topics of conversation generated from our show last week, include the proper order in which to watch the films. Uh, I, I've, I've seen so many crazy mixed up viewing orders and uh, it's been pretty wild. I do stand corrected on my definition of the machete order. The machete order is uh, episodes four, five. Then you jump back into the prequels, and then you wrap it all up with episode six, Return of the Jedi. But when you do that, you're supposed to cut out episode one. And what? Yeah, yeah. That's why I call it the machete. The, oh. See, I thought the machete meant it was just kind of all chopped up and, you know, it was out of sequence. But uh-huh. machete, for some, requires the complete obliteration of episode one from the viewing schedule. I, I cannot endorse that. I, can't I really either. can't endorse I can't that. Either. You, you, you lose Darth Maul, you lose the return to Tatooine and the pod race. Qui Gon, Liam freaking Neeson. Oh, yeah, sure, you know, that would be an outright shame if they didn't watch the one movie I was in because I've been waiting for them to call me back up. (laughs) Want to be a hologram, of course. There's a lot of things they could do. Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) You could have me as a hologram, and I could be there. I could have short hair, or I could have long hair. You know, you could do like a young, (laughs) young hologram, something that I recorded like in the 60s. And then I come back, you know, for today. <laughs> so, <laughs> whatever. They always do that. You know, anytime they get a Star Wars alum uh, on one of these talk shows, they always say, well, hey, well, you know, if they did another one, would, would you want to do it? And very rarely, I mean, I don't think they, I've ever heard anyone say, oh, absolutely not. I wouldn't want to do it. But when you got a character that is, or an actor who's who's had a character that died, you know, I always love the, the tangents. Oh, yeah, they can do it. It's Star Wars. Anyone yeah. can come back to life. And bring it back. That's no problem. Bring it back. <laughs> but so the machete order yeah. for some requires cutting out episode one. So I pulled the wow. reverse machete and I cut it back in. So that's how that works. Um, I am a fan of the Phantom Menace. I'm sorry to say that, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't realize that already. A lot of people have been talking lately about how well the prequels have been aging and how people have become more and more accepting of it. Um, I've noticed that with Ewoks, for crying out loud. I thought for the longest time, fans just were repulsed by the Ewoks. But it turns out after a while, it gets fully incorporated into the mythology and you accept it. It's no big deal. And uh, we talked a lot on last week's show about The Last Jedi. And we um, spoke in some pretty blunt terms about some criticisms we have with it. And people picked up on some of those conversations we were having. One of them was, has The Last Jedi aged well? And I'm like, well, you know, it hasn't aged enough for it no. to age poorly <laughs> right? or well. It just, yeah. yeah. So I think it hasn't aged. I, I think I think the jury will stay out at least until Episode Nine comes out, because then we'll really be able to see how it fits in properly into the overall saga. And then you and me, we had 
an edition of RFR Rush Hour this week where we sort of picked up on some of the more critical thinking we have about The Last Jedi. And the morning after, <laughs> I, was, uh, uh-huh. I, was, I was considering my stance on The Last Jedi and wondering if I am starting to fall victim to other criticisms I've been hearing from friends and seeing online you know, um, oh, not your like own that. thoughts. You I think would, you're yeah. reflecting, perhaps, the right. thoughts of others? Okay. And, and since it's been March, since I've watched the Last Jedi from front to end, I gave it a spin and watched it for the first time in over six months. All the now, way by, by yourself? Yeah. yeah, by yourself. All right. No so distractions. You weren't influenced by the kids or Wendy nothing. or anything. Nothing. Mom, Dad. Nope. Nothing. Yep. It's mm-hmm. all all me. And I watched it all the way through, and uh, it was good to have a refresher. It really was. It was. Mm-hmm. I was able to sort of put my head into the proper frame of uh, how I feel specifically about this movie. And I got to tell you, as refreshing as it was, it was it was like the movie it, itself. You know, that line Luke has: "Powerful light, powerful darkness." Uh, I, I kind of feel that. <laughs> When I watch the film, because sometimes I get into how challenging and complex it can be, and then other times I just get really frustrated with certain things that happen. So I, uh, about ten minutes into it, I realized I had a lot of thoughts going through my head. So I scribbled well, you, some some you notes. You took notes, <laughs> yeah. And I just oh. want to bounce them off you real fast. It's a very very academic exercise here. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All the right. first thing I wanted to look out for was. Um, what are the things that people online have been super critical about the film for? And so I started looking for that stuff right out of the gate to see if it really was, like, irritating to me. And one of them would be, you know, smart-ass Poe when he's in the cockpit and he's having a back and forth with uh, Hugs. And Hux is acting like an idiot, and that guy says, I think they're tooling with you, sir. And then mm-hmm. Poe says a joke about your mother and all that. I don't know. That doesn't offend me too much. It really mm-hmm. doesn't. I, I, I'm like, fine. You know, Poe's a smart ass. Everyone knows that. He's cocky, confident, and, uh, and, and I, I, he, you know, he's not afraid to throw out an insult or something. Um, you know, these guys are on the battlefields. And uh, so, you know, a little trash talking, I think, has its tradition in Star Wars, quite honestly. We heard trash talking from Han Solo. We've heard trash talking during saber duels, even with Dooku and Vader and all that. So that's okay. The other one is the slow bombers. Okay, the slow bombers. That upsets people a lot, and I think it's okay because it slows the pace down enough to where you can have all that drama and action happening without it just you know being super fast. Now, the one thing I do have to say about it, it abandons. The faster, more intense rule mm-hmm. of Star Wars. It becomes slower, less intense. And the movie is guilty of that in a few places. Were the bombers something that, that got you upset? I even saw something about the bombers online today. Some meme about how uh, they're, you know. You know what? I, that, that, that whole sequence I, I, I enjoyed. I didn't, yeah. mind the, I didn't mind the slow bombers. I, I thought it was... Uh, it was an interesting uh, twist, a new dynamic, and you know, as a as a fan of kind of uh, 
certainly not an expert, but a fan of sort of military history and great battles and uh, and all that stuff. I I thought, well, you know, it's just like these big lumbering ships that have their have their role to play, but they can't all be. Uh, you know, zipping around at light speed. I thought it, I I didn't like I didn't mind that at all. You know, I thought that um, it, it, they kind of reminded me in some ways like um, the big lumbering uh, ad at walkers. You know, I mean, they, they certainly weren't uh, mm-hmm. s- uh, speedy, right. but they were very, cer- you know, certainly uh, impactful. Yeah. Why were those adats dropped off so far away from Echo Base? Why didn't they just drop them like right outside the trench and blow everything up? He thought surprise was wiser. <laughs> okay, well, they you answer know, it right there. There you go. In universe <laughs> answer immediately from the swankster, so I don't mind at all. <laughs> all right, now, immediately I start summing up the characters and how they're portrayed in this film as opposed to in episode seven. So, uh, what do you think? I'll say uh, better in The Last Jedi than TFA or worse. We'll start with Hux. What do you think? Hux. Better in TLJ than TFA? Uh, yeah, I thought he was really one-dimensional in uh, Force Awakens. I right. thought in Last Jedi, he seemed more he seemed more real. You can argue about whether or not he should have been played for comic relief, which he was. That's a fair criticism. But I mean, the the TFA, him just like screaming his head off, you know, Hitler style on that. I, you know, that was, was wasn't come, great. That comes out of nowhere. Almost, yeah, it kind of does. You know, it's like, oh, now all of a sudden this guy's intense. Uh, yeah, I, I thought Hux was much more uh, more slimy, and and uh, he had a bigger personality, I think, in The Force Awakens. So I say better in TLJ than TFA. How about Leia? Better in TLJ or worse than TFA? Worse. Worse. I, I, yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say better in TFA. Uh, you know, and maybe it's just the the context. I I just don't think you can beat her scenes with uh with Harrison, Harrison Ford. Yeah. I, 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 I love it. I love her look more. Um when she's got that sort of uh, general Leia sort of a la Endor uh kind of vibe going on. Um I, I, yeah, I you know, I mean the thing look, here's my thought about Carrie and Leia. Uh you know, now that she's passed away, I mean, there, there, there's there's an opportunity to be a little bit honest here. Okay, we we knew that we were dealing with someone who had problems. Okay, she had problems. She had a, she had she had difficulty uh, speaking in some ways. Her voice was very very different from what it was before. And I don't mean you know don't don't throw this. Oh well, you know she aged. We all know that it was a lot more than age um, that, that that caused those problems. What I didn't like was that clearly, you know, her screen time was diminished in TFA. Um, you know, they, they sort of go off without her quite a bit. So I thought that by the time he got to Last Jedi, like, I, I, I was hoping that Force Awakens would be like Carrie's warm-up. And by the time he got to Force Awakens, she was really going to be in this movie centrally. And then he took her out of commission right away with that coma. Yeah. With the space coma. I was so disappointed. I'm like, oh, yeah, you had two two movies in a row here that she's kind of like taken out of commission. And, and I thought, gosh, is, is this making up for the actress's, you know, uh, uh, limitations? Or is this really 
you know what the what the what the plot calls for. You know what I mean? So I was a little bit. I hate to. Use, I know you hate this phrase about it. It taking you out of it, yeah. but that took me out of it a little bit because I thought, oh, here's here's another convenient excuse to get rid of Carrie for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a long answer, but that that's really how I feel about her. But I but I think she's more natural in uh, Force Awakens. You think she's more na- now? See, I believe she comes off as uh, a little more comfortable in her own skin in the Last Jedi than TFA. I, I believe, and I like her wardrobe a lot better in The Last Jedi, too. So, I mean, it's a shallow thing, but I mean, it's. <laughs> I think she just looks better on screen in The Last Jedi. And so oh, boy. I, I, wow, really? Yeah, I do. I do. Wow. I do. What about Snoke? Better in TLJ than TFA, or not so much? I love Snoke in The Last Jedi. Yeah. I love Snoke in The Last Jedi. I really yeah. do. Easy answer. Yeah. And the, the character is more fleshed out, if you will. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. That was not written down in my notes either. So, uh, that stupid uh, pun. Um, so, don't think, <laughs> don't think I thought about it. was waiting all day to unfurl it on Swank. It's, uh, it was more of a mistake than anything, the more I think of it. Uh, Ray. More likable in TFA or more likable in The Last Jedi? Oh, that's a tough one. I, I don't know how you cannot like Daisy Ridley. In uh, either, yeah, in either instance. But yeah, um, the character I, itself. I, uh, boy, I don't know if it's just first impressions or what, but I just, um, I just completely fell in love with her in The Force Awakens. I, I, I don't think she topped her Force Awakens performance in Last Jedi. So I would have to go with Last uh, with Force Awakens, Ray. Okay. I also go with Force Awakens, Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, on likability factor alone. Mm-hmm. She seems a little more distant in The Last Jedi. Obviously, she's dealing with even heavier moments than what she had to deal with in The Force Awakens. Uh, she's a great character all around, though. Both films. Um <laughs> but I still think she's more likable in TFA. I, I agree. I agree. All right, question. Yeah. Why does the resistance run out of fuel? They just left the base. And what's the deal? What is fuel in an advanced society like this? Is it fossil fuel? Is it dilithium crystals? What is it? You know, why yeah. why is fuel all of a sudden Becoming an issue. It was never an issue for the Falcon in Empire Strikes Back. I was just going to ask if fuel had ever been an issue at all in Star Wars prior to TLJ. Never. I don't ever remember that. It was it was a frequent trope on on Star Trek, as you point out. You know, they oh they'd run out of dilithium crystals. They'd have to you know beam down on some weird planet. Uh, You know, Um, but yeah, it is. That's a that's a weird one. Mm -hmm. Um, It it, it is a weird one, and and it's. and I think that's going want it's it's a big problem I think for the movie to overcome. I understand it's a device it 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 in theory creates tension uh but I think there's you know a million other ways to to do just that without mm-hmm. having to to go there. It is but weird. In the novel it says that they didn't have time to fully fuel up their ships and they left behind like 30% of their fuel in the reserves back on their base on Dakar, which was obviously then destroyed by the First Order. But, I mean, it just seems so 
Oh, so, lame. so are they, it's just well, a are they lame saying excuse the, to introduce drama is to say we're running out of gas. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that, that's the excuse that you give to, you know, like like what was that? Like in the 50s and 60s, guys used to do that to girls like, oh, I ran out of gas right here in the park. <laughs> what a coincidence. <clears throat> but are they saying that they, they took off before they had a chance to refuel? Yeah. And their fuel. OK. All right. Well, I mean, you know, I got to tell you, I'm embarrassed to admit this. You would not want me running that that resistance convoy because I have run out of gas and been stranded three times in my life. You would think that the first time really can I can I tell you about what happened the first time? Do you have you'll to. appreciate you I right. will. I, I will just because you'll appreciate Because I got so this. many notes here. I know, I know. You're a radio guy, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And I had a radio gig. I was a promotions director for a radio station. And I was driving the, the, the big white van with yeah. the call letters, you know. Yeah, on the, yeah. And I was doing the prize patrol. And I would have to, like, show up to a public place in the summer. And they would be like, all right, we're going to check in with our promotions director. Jason, where are you? Okay, well, I'm out here at Price Park. I got, uh, you know, some coupons for blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that Swank was that was my crew, gig. Yeah. yeah, that was my gig. And uh, sure enough, I leave the radio station. I'm about 10 minutes into my drive, and I run out of gas right on the highway. And then all of a sudden, I'm listening to the radio station, and people are calling in saying, I think I saw your van uh, off of 77. Uh, they, I think they ran out of gas. <laughs> so there was no, you know, there's no hiding that, right? And, and, and it's going over the airwaves, so I'm the, uh, the city moron that ran out of gas. Anyway, so you know what? My heart goes out to the, uh, the captain of that <laughs> resistance ship. To the resistance, yeah. Yeah, maybe they were doing price patrol. I've heard you run out of gas a few times on the show. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, that's true. All right. All right. I'm just kidding. I couldn't do the show without Jason. Uh, all right. Where are we at with these crazy notes here? Let me. The gas. The gas. We just finished the gas. Gas. All right. Um, Akbar. Akbar. He 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 kind of blew in this movie, and he he died with no fanfare. I don't really care. Does that make me a bad person for, you know, not caring more about Akbar? That's something I've been wondering. I, I just. Uh, he comes off as kind of a doofus on the bridge. He's like, do what? And she's like, yeah, pull the ships back so the fighters fall back. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. It, it's when they're kicking off the slower, less intense chase through space. <laughs> slower, less intense. Oh, we got to get a T-shirt. Come on, Rebel Force Radio slower, merch. Less well, slower, less intense. We got to get Chris on that uh, one. Yeah. Slower, <laughs> episode Eight. Well, speaking slower, of slower, less, less intense, less intense yeah. you have Leia floating in space. And, uh, of course, one of the most criticized moments in the film, one of the most criticized moments in Star Wars history, quite honestly, because I think the, um, the whole execution of the scene, is uh, it just falls a little short. It comes off a little campy, actually, with the princess yeah. theme playing in the background. And she's f- soaring through space. I, again, slower, less intense. I think of George Lucas, if he were to go in this direction and have the bridge get blown out, he would have a moment where Leia's like, you go out the window with her, and she right then and there reaches out and uses yep. the force to pull herself Absolutely. back in. And Absolutely. She, even the brief exposure to space and those flames and everything, it does take its toll on her, so you can still put her in a coma if that's where the story needs to go. But to just have her floating like a statue in space, eyes slowly open, and then she just starts moving, you know, motionlessly flying yeah. through space with that princess music playing behind it. 
comes off as a little campy. I do like when she flies through the damaged bridge and there's still a projection of Snoke's Star Destroyer there and she flies right through it almost at the exact angle that Haldo flies the ship into the Star Destroyer later in the film. It's almost Oh, I didn't notice that. It's almost a little bit of visual foreshadowing. Okay, that's a nice touch. I do like that. But again, you're abandoning the faster, more intense rule of making Star Wars films. And that is a rule that has been established. So if you want to do slower, less intense. But, you know, I really hadn't, I really hadn't thought of that, Jim. You're right. I, mm-hmm. it, it, G- GL would have had her blown out of there, and she'd have been scraping and clawing her way back. It would have been like an action scene. Yeah. It would have been an action scene, not a sentimental moment. Yes, where she's already like she's frozen. Remember in Robot Chicken, there I think it was their very first Star Wars special, and Jar Jar Binks visits Darth Vader on the bridge of the Star Destroyer, and he's like, "Hey, Annie, Annie, look at me!" He's like, "Oh no!" And so he, he, so Darth Vader puts Jar Jar Binks into the airlock and blows him out into space, and he's floating there, frozen, and you could hear the ice crystals forming on him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, right. it, it was like almost like the Leia in space shot was inspired by that moment in Robot Chicken. You're and right. So, I actually I thought of Titanic at the end of Titanic when they're all freezing to death in the water. Uh-huh. That's what it reminded me like of. It was, uh, she looked like Leo DiCaprio. Mm. I, I won't let go. <laughs> I won't let go, Jack. And, uh, yeah, yeah, she lets go and he just like frozen floats off into the. And water. she breaks his thumb off. Do you ever notice that in that movie? No. When she frees her hand, she pulls her hand off and his thumb breaks off. Oh. He's like frozen solid. Oh, something to keep them together forever. <laughs> <laughs> but so Leia in space, obviously yeah. it's easy to rip that sequence apart. It's been done so many times online. But uh, I'm, just, I, I'm trying to be as honest as I possibly can be mm-hmm. about The Last Jedi. And uh, I find that with this this refresher viewing I did of it, the things I really like about this film stand out a lot. Um, and then, but there are things that I I feel are flaws, and I'm feeling a little critical about nowadays. Now that I've had a lot of time to actually fully soak this film in, and uh, you know, putting putting my home team fanboy aside, where I'm not trying to just be all rah rah because it's Star Wars, and also still keeping the jury out because we haven't seen episode nine yet. So there are loose ends in the last Jedi that I hope will be tied up with episode nine and make this whole story much more palpable to everyone. Who's had a hard time wrapping their heads around episode eight. You can sit around and pretend it doesn't exist or you can fill out petitions online to get it remade or whatever. None of that's going to happen. I just want to analyze the star Wars that is, and not yep. sit around thinking about what it should have been because you're just going to go crazy and you're never going to be happy with anything that comes out from Star Wars. I'm not saying we should settle on it either. I'm fine with being critical on it, but I don't want to ignore it when we still have one more chapter to go. So, yeah, no, no, you can't, you can't just discount it. Um, and, yeah, you got to be friends with reality here, and that is the reality. It is canon. Um, but as you point out, Jim, many, many times, there's still another third to go. We've got another chapter, and it could 
uh, have dramatic effect on how we view The Last Jedi. Um, do you have more? Because I, I have one I want to throw out here. This. Well, um, I'm sort of going in the order that the oh, film... Oh, good, good. <laughs> so yeah. if, if you want to just jump in with it whenever... No, 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 I'm not ready yet, because I think you'll probably hit on this one, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold back. Something I did want to kind of incorporate into this uh, refresher is uh, some Mad Magazine canon. Um, <laughs> I have the uh, Star Wars Half-Assed Jedi parody here in front of me right now. <laughs> Um, and so I uh, just, I want to say that, that <laughs> controversy, <laughs> I have not seen this. I actually have the mad magazine, star Wars, uh, book that came out. Good friend of mine got that for me, uh, but it came out after, right after force awakens, I believe it before last Jedi. So I, it's not part of the, the hardback, you know, compendium of star Wars oh, yeah. parodies. No, not yet. This is, uh. They, they've uh, kind of re-jumped the Mad franchise, and so this is actually uh, issue number one from June 2018. Oh, okay. It's still the same Mad that you know and love, though, for the most part. But according to their canon, Luke throws the saber over his shoulder because, as any Star Wars fan would know, its value is worthless now that Ray took it out of its original packaging. Oh. So there you go. There's one thing. What else did I want? Oh, green milk from the uh, sea cow. Okay. And then uh, Luke goes, yeah, green milk. Guess where I get the chocolate milk? Oh, come on. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> okay. All right. So that's all I'm going to talk about right now. <laughs> I'm going to put this one aside for a second because I'm trying to go in chronological order here. All right. Um, okay. Notes. Um Oh, Chewie eating Porg. Uh, is this some sort of uh, Star Wars endorsement of a vegetarian lifestyle? I wrote down. <laughs> what, what, is that uh, what? Uh, well, uh, well, no, I, I don't think it. I don't think it goes that far. I, I think it was a. I think I actually think it was a pretty funny bit. Um, but you know, the other thing that it did for for me though is it pointed out, and we we talked a little bit about this. Uh, on I, I think it was on uh, Rush Hour on our Patreon exclusive show, um, where you you had talked about oh, I don't know you know uh, we were talking about the, the the amount of respect shown to the legacy characters oh yeah and you said and I said oh I think that JJ had a lot of respect in there I don't know he really he really threw three uh, PO and R two to the sidelines there and uh, that is true and what happens to me. With uh, the, the 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 business that Chewy has there with the Porgs, is that it just it really emphasizes to me how little Chewy has to do with the movie at all, right? And how sidelined he is, and he's just comic relief. Comic relief, yeah. Yeah. And so when you think about respect being shown to the legacy characters, these are things that you kind of you kind of consider. And uh, you know, Chewbacca being regulated to comic relief, like there's a. There's no moment where he and Luke could have had some sort of poignant moment alone, considering the history between the two of them. I mean, uh, you know, there could have been something there. There's a way to incorporate Chewbacca into a scene with dialogue without making Chewbacca comic relief. I just don't see that in The Last Jedi. Now, you know, again, I don't mind seeing funny moments out of Chewie. There's a whole history right. of funny stuff there from is. Chewie. But you know what's a really great Chewie scene? 
and there's no dialogue. That whole scene he does in the cell block in Empire yeah. with 3PO, that is a beautiful scene with none, you know, with, with, with no, uh, uh, no dialogue at all. And it's just uh, the emotion that is conveyed between – well, I shouldn't say there's no dialogue. There is some from Anthony Daniels, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just it's really one-sided. well done. It's uh, – you know, the moment he's being tortured and then he, he deals with that and mm-hmm. sits down and starts, you know, you, you can sense the frustration coming off him. It's it's one of the better moments for Peter Mayhew in the entire saga. So, for um, sure. Yeah, stuff like that. You know, Chewie does have threatening moments when he kicks in Luke's door and lets out a growl that's one of his biggest ever. Second only to uh, the one he lets loose uh, upon meeting Han Solo in the mud pit. <laughs> but uh yeah, you know. And then Luke Luke goes in the Falcon, which I really loved seeing him there. But quite honestly, I would have liked to see him actually pilot the Falcon at some point. I there was uh just things I wanted to see Luke do. And some people say uh, oh, you just want the Luke Skywalker to be a, some sort of superhero and stuff. And that's really not true at all. As a matter of fact, I remember the 90s. One day, a book came across my desk, and it was this encyclopedia of superheroes. And I was flipping through it, and I was shocked to see Luke Skywalker in there. Because I never thought of Luke as a superhero, per se. He was the one guy that I think I related to the most as a kid in the Star Wars universe when I was watching it. Luke was the character that I connected to the most as I got older. And uh, more of a smart-ass, cynical jerk, I started to like Han Solo more. <laughs> I mean, it's a natural progression of things. And then there's moments when I'm super cool and I uh, relate with Lando. No, that never happens. Um, not that cool. Not, not that, that cool. cool. But seriously, though, uh, I'm not looking for Luke to be a superhero at all. And uh, th- there's one moment, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, have sent us some great emails with their analysis of the character of Luke in The Last Jedi and how they connect it to the original trilogy. And say, yeah, he's uh, absolutely consistent with his character from the original trilogy. And then they'll say, well, after 30 years, everyone changes. And so I'm like, well, what are you saying? Is he consistent with his character from the original trilogy or does everyone change? I don't think Mm. I've changed that drastically in 30 years. But uh, maybe I have. I don't know. But uh, with Luke, I never, you know, thought of him as a superhero. I never did. I never did. No, I, I don't see it. I don't see him as a superhero at all. Um, though I do remember, uh, well, a, a couple of things. Um, Jim, there were a lot of rumors going into The Last Jedi, and one of them was that Luke was going to have become this, um, you know, those of you who remember the, 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 the Force Unleashed he was going to become almost that type of Jedi, just just uncontrollable power. And there was a, a rumor that he was going to pilot the Falcon, but he was going to do it all mentally. There was another rumor that he was going to, in uh, um, Force Unleashed type style, uh, be able to st- stand there and attack uh, big Adat walkers mentally. And you can kind of see... With what happens at the end, you know, if you think of yourself, maybe, you know, being there on set or, you know, within the creative team, hearing little things here and there about what ends up happening in the film, not knowing perhaps that it's a projection, etc., that you might draw that conclusion. So in a way, we did sort of get this uh, sort of uh, 
superhero or, or, or sort of uh, uh, extreme version of a Jedi there at the end, but we know how that happened. It was, it was an illusion. It was a mirage. It was a projection. Uh, but uh, I'm with you. I, I don't consider him a, a, a superhero at all. I never looked at the Jedi. I didn't even see Yoda or, or Ben or any of the characters as, as superheroes. It just wasn't that type of genre. Right, right, right. It was uh, more of divine intervention playing a role with these these characters, you know, on a spiritual level, uh, as far as that stuff goes, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I never really considered them to be superheroes. Uh, you have the R2 and Luke reunion, which I wrote was great, and I love the connection with episode four with the hologram of Leia. I thought that was a nice little thing to tie it all up. It was good. I would have liked to have seen more from R2 throughout the film. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Again, in the, these two films, uh, not really getting the R two that we know. You know, R two always saves the day. But I like to see it happen in more of a physical way, as opposed to him showing up with a holographic map or him convincing Luke with a hologram. <laughs> I'm, I'm sensing. A, I'm sensing I, I don't a, a know. I, 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 I get you. I, I, I'm going to defend R two a little bit here and say that. I thought that uh, you know the R two moment of him waking up and having the other part of the map um, in 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 the Force Awakens. I thought was a nice R two moment. I really do. Um, as opposed to you know the really kind of over the top moment he had in Revenge of the Sith, where he's literally flying around and lighting <laughs> lighting the droids on fire. You know. Um, <laughs> It was funny, but it was you know it was a, it was a little over the top. Yeah, for me. yeah, okay, I hear you, I hear yeah. you. But that's uh, you know I, I, I like lighthearted stuff too in that aspect. As far as it, it being a, as long as it's cool, let's just yeah. say yeah. And it was cool yeah. when R two was doing all that stuff. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's get uh, let's get real here and talk about Laura Dern as Haldo. Okay, um, any thoughts? Yeah, she's an awful. She's just an awful character. She's just, and I love Laura Dern. I mean, my kids went through uh, this past summer a, a big Jurassic Park phase. Yeah, and uh, not that that's. I mean, she's a very accomplished actress. She's a great actress, and she's beautiful. And um, I love her in Jurassic Park. I, I just didn't think that she felt Star Warsy at all to me. Her uh, the the acting style. I mean, we, you know, we talked to Sam Witwer many, many, many times in the history of this show, talking about that style, the Star Wars acting style, and he kind of likened it to sort of almost that uh, exaggerated '30s, '40s uh, Jimmy Cagney uh, style of acting, very rapid in some ways. Uh, you know it when you see it, that kind of thing. I just didn't think she had it. I. I Again, this is not meant to be a, a criticism of her abilities as an actress by any mean, but uh, just a, a, a poorly written character and, and really poorly executed just did not and does not feel like a Star Wars character to me in the least. You know, uh, Laura Dern is Haldo. I uh, not only am I not a fan of the character, I don't think I'm a Laura Dern fan at all. I'm not a big David Lynch fan, so I was never into any of that stuff she did with him. I, the only thing I recall seeing her in, of course, Jurassic Park, and I, you know, I don't really care about the acting in Jurassic Park. I only care about the dinosaurs. Um, uh-huh. So she she does a good job running in front of a blue screen. And uh, it, I, the most recent movie I saw her in was The Founder. 
with Michael Keaton as Ray Kroc, the guy who founded McDonald's. And she plays Ray's original wife, his first wife. And uh, I didn't I, – I thought she was terrible in that movie. I, I just oh, – I, wow, I thought right. she was awful. And uh, so uh, this is uh, – you know, I'm coming to the realization that I just don't think I'm a Laura Dern fan. So now you marry her to Star Wars, totally shoehorn her in uh, to basically just take over with Leia in a coma – Again, as we talked about, I would have rather seen Leia as a dominant character in the middle of the movie, not purple-haired giraffe neck. <laughs> so, um, just wow. not a fan. And I, the, the problem is, it's it's more than just it's more than just surface value stuff. It's it's the nature of the character, the abrasive attitude towards Poe is ridiculous at that moment of the film. The resistance resources. This is what I wrote down. Resistance resources stretched razor thin, and the situation is desperate. Worst move possible is to alienate and emasculate your ace pilot in nothing more than what is a pissing match. It's simply impossible to like this character. And it's yeah. made even worse if you if you add the portrayal of the character from the Leia Princess of Alderaan novel. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just being honest here, folks. I'm being honest. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me let, let me ask you this. I mean, what is the strategic advantage of keeping Poe in the dark of of the overall plan? There I, is I none. There, there is, is none. none. It's to teach him a lesson, to emasculate him, to strip him of his dignity. And this is a guy who, like, your best chance of yeah. surviving is this guy. But no, they don't want to see it that way. It just turned into a pissing match over over rank yeah so and there's a way you know there's a way to do it that is not so overt i mean you don't have to look any further than the original star wars and the way that leia and han played off of each other you know with in the the trash compactor scene and all of that and um you know there was a there was a lot of give and take the thing that was so great about han and leia was that you know, Harrison has that, of course, that great sort of like buffoonery style. You know, he does it as Indiana Jones, where he, he's, he's almost clumsy in some ways. Uh, but he's also very, very skilled. And I, I love that. I, I just find the whole relationship between Han and Leia so well balanced. They balance each other out so damn well. Um, when one is down, the other is up. And uh, they really do need each other. And they complement each other super well. Whereas the relationship with Poe and and uh, and Haldo wasn't like that at all. It was just like, well, keep this guy down. He's just a he's just a fly boy, and that's all he is. Um, and and in the middle of this dire time, Jim, as you're pointing out, things couldn't be more critical for the resistance. It's time to teach Poe a little lesson. It is. It is. And the lesson. Is, is a lesson that Poe may have earned in normal wartime situations, let's just say. Normal military situations, Poe did. He did ignore the commands from his superior officer and continued the fight against the Dreadnought. And they lost a lot of their whole bomber squad. They lost a lot of pilots. And, and when, when the goal there was to escape... And really, you know, taking out one dreadnought does not do anything to the balance of the war at that moment. The only priority was for them to get out of there. But 
Poe made a serious mistake. And he should have been reprimanded for that, but not at that moment. There was the, the fight was at their doorstep. They were being chased by the First Order. It was and, and their ranks were thin enough as it is. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. Do I think Poe's a saint? No. But do I think the idea of uh, completely uh, ripping him to shreds at that moment, at that most crucial moment, was just stupid? And it was, um, it was a lot of uh, ham-fisted, uh, ham-fisted showboating, I think, from a superior. Um, and I, I would have said that if that was General Reichian treating him that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I thought that it was a it was a long way to go to make one of the characters that you're propping up to be, you know, the next Han Solo, maybe in some ways, to make him look like a fool. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, I, it was a deconstruction of the character that <laughs> was uh, mostly unwarranted when you consider yep. the the dire situation the characters were all in at that moment. Agreed. Um at the same time I see good chemistry between Finn and Rose and I imagine that's something that's going to be pursued further in episode 9. Um I, I I think their subplot is uh we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Uh Maz's cameo. <laughs> Maz's cameo. Um this is something that I'm trying to come to terms with. And uh, maybe you could help me out here because it doesn't make any sense to me. Her castle was just destroyed during Mm -hmm. a First Order raid. Mm -hmm. And she was lucky to escape alive. Those beasts. Now she's fighting in a union dispute. Mm -hmm. Here's what I wrote. WTF. Maz is now a teamster. Star Wars version of normal Ray. What's going on here? I mean, you know, shouldn't she be picking up the pieces of her life on Takedona, seeing that uh, her, you know, old time watering hole that's been there forever has just been wiped out? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's Look, uh, how did she get involved with the union dispute? Is it over the, the contractor she hired to rebuild her watering hole? I don't Everybody know. knows that this was the part that. Billy D as Lando should have come back to play. Absolutely, Jason. I mean, Ryan Johnson said in how many interviews? He said in a few interviews that the film had no place in the story for Lando. But this would have been the spot right here. Or or you can still have Maz Kanata make Lando the master codebreaker. Put him on Canto Bite and then bring Lando into the resistance for the final third of the film. Right. And then right. that gives the whole trip to Canto Bite purpose because uh. they brought back Lando. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that, you know, I could just see, you know, when, when Poe says, I think he's like, I know somebody who might know or something like that. Um, you know, there, there's there's plenty of reason. I mean, you know, Poe has been with uh, Leia and, and her whole, you know, cohorts. Uh, for a long time, um, I think, according to canon, uh, Poe was uh, was he at was he conceived <laughs> after the celebration at the after the Battle of Endor? I, yes, I, I remember something along those lines. Yes, but his parents were were at the Battle of Endor. They met and they there. moved to and, Yavin, and he grew right. up in Yavin. But 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 um, so he would have known uh, General Calrissian. He would have grown up knowing who he was. So yeah. I remember sitting at the theater next to you 
thinking, oh my gosh, this is, how did they keep this a secret? This is going to be the Lando cameo. And it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And there was a creepiness to Maz in that scene as well when she starts rubbing the blaster when she's talking about the master code breaker. It's just kind of off putting to see in a hologram. God, I didn't even realize that. Um, okay, uh, back to notes. Maz is a little pervy. I mean, you know, it's, it it's seemed that way. It felt that way. Yeah, it felt yeah. that way. Well, she, you know, she talks about Chewie being her boyfriend and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, in, in my canon, that relationship has been consummated, so figure it out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Wah, 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 wah. Um, okay, here's some stuff where the, the film shines, okay? Mm-hmm. Interesting expansion of the Force. There's new elements to the Force that are being introduced, and this is the stuff I love. I love the spiritual mm-hmm. edge uh, of Star Wars. I like it when the nature of the Force gets expanded upon, mm-hmm. and um, you know, without it being full blown, the Force unleashed, and you know, you're doing like you said, pulling star destroyers out of the sky and stuff like that. I I, this this is different stuff. This is more like natural stuff. The 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 uh, the revelation, okay, where he says the effort would kill you when he's talking to Ray about mm-hmm. the force time that they do with each other. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a revelation because that's the first time it's been revealed that you can die if you overexert yourself in the force. You can mm-hmm. actually OD on it and kill yourself. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing, yes, to what we see being the eventual death of Luke Skywalker at the end of the film. This is the foreshadowing for that right here in that moment. Yep. But it's, I think it's a good element to add to Star Wars and to the Force because it strips the Force users of that all-powerful, almighty edge, and it makes them more vulnerable. And but that's, that's a great point. That's a real good point. So it stops them, in a way, from being the superhero, right. in a sense. Well, it's almost like with Superman being so powerful, what can you do to counteract that? So to create drama, they introduce kryptonite. This is kryptonite to the Jedi, overexerting yourself in the Force. That's something we'd never heard of. Yoda wasn't just like... What's wrong with you, Master Yoda? You look more green than usual today. <laughs> Hung over in the force, am I? You know, something like that, right? But no, yeah. it, no, this is more serious than that, though. This is like you can really snap your gears if you dive in too deeply into the force. And, and the only people, presumably, who can push it that far are the most powerful Jedi, you'd have to assume. So, right, right. So I think with that vulnerability, it adds drama because you, you you can't just use the force as your as your solve all for everything it, mm-hmm. it's just not going to be that way but then then you get dialogue from luke that's when he says the force does not belong to the jedi it's vanity i mean what a thing for luke to say i mean really think about it it like diminishes everything we've known about the jedi up to this point that well, the Jedi does it, the Force doesn't belong to the Jedi. I guess okay, here, as the organization, as the religious sect of the Jedi, okay, I guess maybe Luke is trying to say that to expose the flaws of the Jedi. But I get that too. But I got to tell you, I I really hate 
uh, moral equivalency. I really hate that. I I hate this idea that it, 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 I, I, you know this may offend some people out there, but I'm, I'm just going to say it. This idea that well, if you are fighting an aggressor. You can't lower yourself to their standards. You have to be more dignified. You have to be more sophisticated. No, hell no. You do have to lower yourself to their standards and fight on their level and win. But and that Jason, doesn't create an equivalency. That's the and path to the dark side, though. You're opening yourself up to aggression that way. I, 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 I don't believe that for one second. Knowledge, and, I mean, it's still about defense. It's not about being the aggressor. It's not about being the aggressor, but I defy you when you're looking at a lightsaber battle, say between Qui-Gon Jinn and Darth Maul, and you're watching them in battle... If they didn't, if one guy didn't look like the devil and the other guy didn't look like Jesus, you wouldn't know who was the bad guy and who was the good guy necessarily by the way they're fighting. My, my, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with, uh, 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 fighting people at, at, at the level in which they're, they're coming at you. Obviously, you want to be better at it. You want to be smarter than it. But what makes someone intrinsically good is not, their inability to be bad it's their decision to not be bad that's the difference you know if you if you're just harmless you're not you're 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 not morally superior you're weak but if you have the ability to do harm and you choose to not to that is where the nobility is and this is the gospel according to Swank. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't like that. I didn't like that about Luke. I didn't like that he was drawing a moral equivalency between the Sith and the Jedi, saying, oh, they're all the same. Oh, okay. That's, that's what I'm getting at. It diminishes what we've known about the Jedi and their relation to the Force. But Luke apparently feels like he's gone up into a, some sort of higher level of, of thinking. Um, now, here's the thing. There are two times... He talks about balance, and those two times, I think, are in direct contradiction to each other. The first time he mentions balance is when Ray is reaching out with her feelings, tapping into the force as it is on that island. And uh, Luke says she's sensing powerful light and powerful darkness. He says that's balance. Later in the film... He says balance is achieved for a while after the emperor is defeated and Darth Vader is killed. He says balance exists for a while. Okay? In that situation, it's all powerful light and no powerful darkness. So how does he consider that to be balance? When earlier in the film, his definition of balance was powerful light, powerful darkness. It's, that's never been the balance of the force, according to George Lucas. George Lucas and the well, of, here we go back with the Jedi. The Jedi always considered the force to be in balance when there was no dark side element rising the power in the galaxy. The Sith, specifically. So if you had no Sith, then the force is balanced. I don't know. I, I find there's contradictions with Luke. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And that whole balance of the force thing, um, 
has kind of been a, a little bit of a of, of a of a puzzle. Uh, I, I think there, I think Jim, that there is uh, some bonus content on one of the Clone Wars sets, the box sets, and it, it's footage from one of their big uh, story break meetings. And that's when we used to always uh, tease uh, Filoni because he'd always be sitting there doodling mm-hmm. while George was pontificating. But I believe there's one, and I think we've played it on the program. It's been many years uh, where George is describing the, the nature of the force and the balance of the force. Um, and I'm with you. I, I think that in, in Lucas canon, it is the, the, the force is balanced when the dark is uh, eradicated. Um, but here in the Last Jedi, we have Luke proposing that balance <clears throat> balance involves both of them having a presence in the universe. And, and, and I, I mean, obviously, that you know, uh, just on face value, seems to make more sense. You know, to have, you have one side of the scale light, you have another side of the scale dark, and when you have the exact amount of the same, then you would have balance, right? Yeah, but but in a way, but that's like saying, okay, let's let's take out light and dark, and let's say good and evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, you couldn't make the claim that uh, you know the, the the world is balanced when there's equal amounts of good and evil. Uh, I would I wouldn't say that that uh, evil or dark does anything to create or or elevate um good or light i i i struggle with that i i don't think so i think it's the eradication of evil is where you find harmony but you know that's applying it to real world scenario but i uh i i don't like this idea why you need equal parts no. Light and dark. I, no. I'm not a, I don't like that idea. I always thought balance of the force was part of the Jedi religion specifically, and uh, the Sith never spent any time considering the balance of the force. However, in Star Wars Rebels, you do have Darth Maul mentioning it to Obi-Wan right before he dies in Obi-Wan's arms. He asks about the child bringing balance and all of that stuff. But then again, Darth Maul had been on his own for a while and not necessarily adhering to the Sith values. So maybe Darth Maul picked up a little Jedi knowledge along the way. Who knows? Um, that's, uh, that's my take on it. Um, but balance of the Force to me is, is uh, the way the Jedi would always appreciate that notion meant that there was no Sith, there was no darkness tapping into the Force. It was all being used for light by the Jedi specifically. And the Jedi did keep tight ownership on the Force so much that they would sense out Force using infants, <laughs> infants strong in the Force, and take them from their homes to learn how to properly use the Force. So, so yeah. you know, hey, Luke isn't wrong. There might be a little bit of vanity there for sure. We certainly do know that the Jedi were flawed at the end. And Luke explains that in very black and white language in The Last Jedi. At the height of the Jedi's power, they were duped by Darth Sidious. And uh, it was a Jedi who trained Darth Vader. By the way, that moment has never really sat well with me. I feel like he's totally throwing Obi-Wan under the bus. Yeah, that does feel a little harsh considering the uh, 
intimate relationship, uh, you know, intimate yes. via the force. I mean, Luke and Obi-Wan had a very, very tight connection as a mentor to protege. Um, almost almost a father-to-son relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And it does. You're right about that. You're absolutely right. So uh, that's a strike against The Last Jedi right there for portraying Luke as so bitter that he has even turned his back on the relationship he had with Obi-Wan Kenobi. That seems to be a little rough. Agreed. Agreed. And he I think even, He doesn't even mention his name. Very damaging to the way yeah. the portrayal of Luke in The Last Jedi. That's, that's one right there. Um, now, here's the thing that I find inconsistent with Luke from The Last Jedi compared to Luke in The uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, in The Last Jedi, we're presented with Luke, who is a broken man. He's hurting. He's in pain because he believed in his own legend and got burned by it. I find this inconsistent with the Luke we saw in Return of the Jedi because that Luke said to the Emperor, your overconfidence is your weakness. Luke was able to recognize that in his youth. He knew it back then, and he knew that it would be a mistake to be overconfident. He knew to avoid the trap of overconfidence. Yep. So what changed? What changed? Did, I mean, did his head get so big post-Return of the Jedi that when he actually started training Jedis, he thought of himself maybe like as Yoda or greater than Yoda even? I mean, what changed? How did Luke become a victim to his overconfidence? Something he knew was a pitfall all the way back in Episode Six. The only thing I can think of, and there's, there's really, I can't think of any evidence to suggest this is the case, but if Luke was able to transcend and sort of reach a level of, of power or understanding that hadn't been reached prior to him, um, you could see how that might, for lack of a better word, uh, corrupt uh, his spirit a bit. Um, but again, we have no evidence to suggest that, um, you know, to, if, if he sees himself as having been an unfit teacher for his nephew, well, well, who else was going to teach him then? It's exactly. not like there was a right. more worthy teacher out there. And I mean, Luke was given those marching orders from Yoda. Pass on what you have learned. Right. Right, it works for Obi Wan because during Obi Wan's time, there was there were other options for Anakin. There was uh, Yoda as an option, so he says, well, "I thought I could train him as well as Yoda." I was wrong. Um, there were other options for Luke and 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 Ben Solo. There were no other options. Right, it was all on Luke. Yeah, and uh, pass on what you've learned. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's you know that that's something that's pretty important something you know by the end of episode six you're you have the confidence in knowing that luke is going to pass on the lessons he learned now somebody said to me online hey luke uh he failed to pass along the lesson of failure to his students no no i don't think that's what yoda was saying to luke i think yoda was saying that luke 
had not learned from his failures and, yep. and he let his failure shut him down instead of yep. using his failure as a learning moment to make him greater. Yep. You're, you're we are. Mm, yes. I, you're, you're so right. right. And I, I'm getting excited because I think that is a complete and total misinterpretation of what Yoda is saying there. Uh, he is talking about that leadership is not just uh, recognizing your victories. It's also learning from your mistakes. Yes. And uh, that, that is a crucial point mm-hmm. that I think is easy to, to dismiss. Um, and he says, we are what they, what was that? What is that, we, that we, line? We, oh, um, we are what they grow beyond. Beyond. Or, yeah. Yes. Yes. We yes. are what they grow beyond. In, yep. in essence, saying that any protege of yours will exceed you. Now, when, when Yoda says that, does he and, honestly, and, and that's a reflection on the teacher. It is, of course. Yeah. But is, is Yoda then insinuating that Luke is stronger than Yoda was? Yes. He absolutely. Is. Absolutely. He is. And so that's why I would love to see some sort of spin-off series, be it animated or live action streaming or what have you, the rise and fall of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. I feel like the most compelling drama behind this character is the stuff that happened in the 30 years between the two films. Not what we're getting in The Last Jedi. We're looking at the husk of the man. I want to see the man. I want to see mm-hmm. him live his life. And, and, and those flashback scenes offer you know, what they offer. What, my biggest question about the flashback scene is when Kylo turns over and sees Luke holding that lightsaber and he brings the hut down, it sure appears that he brings it all down right upon himself on his own bed. So I don't know how he was able to protect himself <laughs> from all that. Yeah. But uh, it looked like he took you know he took it even worse than Luke you know yeah right <laughs> but uh, you know uh, y- y- there's all kind of different things we could say well he made a force bubble around himself he had time to uh, whatever um, <laughs> force but, uh, okay. bubble. Uh, whatever I'm I'm making stuff up yeah uh, more slower less intense with the first order pursuing resistance through space this is what I think of when I think of the last Jedi and the pacing with it is this whole sequence in the middle with this very slow space chase again breaking that prime rule faster more intense it really does but uh you know hey we're just along for the ride so that's yeah. okay uh, <laughs> uh everyone you know they're off in canto bite now a lot of people get offended by this whole sequence i don't because i i enjoy the fantasy elements and the new aliens and and everything but i understand that the whole subplot is ultimately unnecessary mm. when you're thinking about the mythology of the Skywalker saga. A lot of people will point out, well, it's where Finn really learns how to give a damn about something other than himself. And I, and I my common response to that is, well, who cares what Finn is thinking or feeling? This is the Skywalker saga. So why does it have to be hijacked yes. by Finn? Yes. <laughs> you know, could you imagine something like that happening in any of the previous six movies? No, that's when I get bummed about the announcement that episode nine will be the conclusion of the Skywalker saga. Prior to that, I was much more open-minded about these little subplots that 
didn't go anywhere because I figured, well, there's probably going to be 12 episodes of the Skywalker saga. Wrong was I. Um, so it is, and it does seem like it should be wrapping up with episode nine too. Don't get me wrong. I would have loved to seen that 12 episode saga, but uh, you know, episode nine does seem to be a very natural ending spot for the Skywalker saga because it almost feels like it's already ended. There aren't no more Skywalkers left. Of course, uh, Princess Leia is going to be making an appearance, but we know it, it, how far can you go with the character when the actress who made the character famous is no longer around. Um, Luke has been wiped out. Now, uh, we'll get into Luke in just a minute, but um, that's just a little frustrating stuff uh, for me. And with Canto Bite not being able to add on to the mythology in any meaningful way, it breaks a huge rule in storytelling which is never fill space with something that fails to move the plot forward. Now, it does set up this, okay? It sets up the situation where the First Order has knowledge that the Resistance is abandoning ship, and they're using transports to head to crate. So it sets that up, and it sets up the Holdo maneuver, which in itself is kind of um, a weird thing, because the Holdo maneuver, if, if... People knew that you could fly into one capital ship into another by using hyperspace technology. Why not just incorporate that technology into a missile and point it at the first order? You Mm. see what I'm saying? Um, Well, it looks, you know, it looked cool on screen. But again, a lot of these flaws in the movie sort of surround that character of Haldo. Uh, By the way, Mad Magazine canon coming into play here. Uh, where she is known as Vice Admiral Dildo. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't pull any punches on uh, Mad Magazine. I, wow. No. And sorry, uh, sorry for the kids who are listening. And NSFW. NSFW. Parents put the uh, Princess Leia Starpuff earmuffs on the little one's ears right there. But uh, I'm, I'm being highly critical right now. So, uh, sorry. Uh, blame it on Mad Magazine. That's what I did for most of my childhood. <laughs> Blame it on Mad. Uh, Kylo's uh, shirtless scene, a little gratuitous, especially coming from the company that has told us that Slave Leia is no longer uh, acceptable. Um, but yeah, uh, but but, but, but Kylo's boobs are okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh yeah, uh, a little gratuitous, but whatever. It was awkward. Ray has a weird line of dialogue at that moment, though, where she's talking about Han Solo, and she says to Kylo, she goes, he gave a damn about you. He gave, who talks like that? He gave a damn. Now, I've heard of people not giving a damn about I don't give a damn about that. But I've never heard of somebody saying, boy, I really give a damn about that. Have you ever I, heard you that, know, boy, that before? That, no. That, that line flies by. I, I've not picked up on it. Yeah, she's real emotional when she delivers it. Wow. But yeah, she says about Han, it's when they're having that, that moment. She goes, he gave a damn about you. He gave a damn about you. Who talks but That's like that? that? That's weird. Isn't that weird? That's a weird that's, Maybe that's a British thing. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the mirror cave, um, interesting. Um, the little girl voice says, Ray. Who's the little girl? Is that like young Ray calling to older Ray? I don't know. She Ooh. says, let me see my parents, and she sees herself. So yeah. my speculation is, and I think I've said this on the show before, um, because like so many people are just like, oh, I can't believe that Ray isn't a Skywalker, that Ray isn't a Kenobi, that her parents are drunks and all this stuff. But I say that Ray could be a Skywalker in the sense 
that, like Anakin, Rey was conceived by the midi-chlorians, by the Force, whatever. She's, she's an immaculate conception. And, again, like Anakin Skywalker. Now, I know just by the, merely saying the term midi-chlorians, people want to puke. But, I mean, that is part of the mythology. And it could be delivered in such a way where you're not saying midi-chlorians. So nobody gets offended. You could just mm. say, you know, she was, she was an immaculate birth conceived by the Force. Like, like Anakin Skywalker and everything. And then that could lead her to taking the name Skywalker at the end of the film. Which we've seen people talk about online. Like my friend Barry Harmon. He's like, yeah, you know, she could take that up as her last name. Because she has no name. Right, as a, as, as a title. Now, there is a, a reference to clones in, uh, I believe, Force Awakens. Yeah. And so there's, there's speculation. Some have uh, theorized that Ray could have been part of some uh, cloning program, perhaps. Um, so that's out there as well. I like it better um, because it really ties it all together. If you make Ray a virgin birth. Now, sure, she had parents, but they obviously just assumed that they conceived Ray. You know, they they didn't uh, they didn't know about anything with the force mm. or anything. You know, mm-hmm. it's just they were just chosen randomly by the force to be a, a vessel to bring Ray, which is Ray is the light side reacting to the dark side. You know, the dark side is growing in power with Snoke and and um, Kylo Ren and. So the, the force reacts and creates, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's part of the dialogue too. Snoke throws that out there too. And that, that, um, throne room sequence, which I still think is amazing. Um, uh, the film gets physical with the force a lot. Okay. Which, uh, is, is interesting. These are new force elements. Kylo and Ray force time. Kylo wipes water from his face. Because it's raining on Octu when he's talking, mm-hmm. when he's force-timing uh, Ray. Ray and Kylo touch hands. Yoda appears, controls lightning, and hits Luke with his cane. And <clears throat> Luke teleports his image to Crate. These are all instances where the Force is now physically interacting with the environment. However, it's only consistent because of Octu. Is Octu the only place where these kind of things can happen? That's what I was thinking, except... I neglected to remember the end of the film when Ray and Kylo, oh, have, yes. they have right. one last brief force time and it has nothing to do with Octu. However, he is, you know, at that time, Kylo is holding the dice from Han Solo, the dice that Luke Skywalker presented as he was transporting mm-hmm. himself from Octu. So there is that connection there. Yes. There is that one connection there are those dice. Could the, and then she closes the ramp, they don't communicate, and the dice fade away. So it could be Octu is the thing that's generating this, this, you know, these physical elements interacting with the force, and the force interacting with these physical elements. I mean, yes. So it's exhausting. I mean, to, to pick this film apart. Is that where I, my, my notes almost end there? I think I just mm-hmm. got kind of mesmerized them by the final third of the film, and I stopped writing things down. Um, oh, here's a few flaws. 
What's it? I'm, I'm trying to wrap this up. We've been going uh, much longer on this than I thought. Well, that's okay. But that's I, okay. I just thought it would be a good idea to just. No, I love it. I love. This has been wonderful. They this bring up wonderful. hope a lot in the film. Yeah, uh, hope um, I, I, just under ten times, I believe. Um, I think that's kind of. Um, it's weird that Snoke is threatened by Luke Skywalker returning. Because Luke is going to bring hope back to the galaxy. I thought Snoke would be afraid that Luke Skywalker would return it and kick his ass and wipe out the First Order. You know? <laughs> but no, he's yeah. like, oh, no, he's bringing hope with him. That, that, all of that seemed kind of, like, odd. That, it's a little too flowery. Yeah, that Luke's yeah. just, you know, his yeah. return just brings back optimism for everyone. And and symbolism. So they say hope. They use that word over and over and over again in the film. Where I, I feel like with the original trilogy and stuff, those are things that the audience picked up on through the optimism of the characters, through their accomplishments, uh, through, uh, you know, uh, the, the way that they were putting numbers up on the scorecard, you know, during this war. You can mm-hmm. easily see that. And that's how you, as an audience member, have hope for the characters and situations. Here it's like we have to have our hand held and be told that hope is going to happen if this... We'll have hope if this happens. Now, I know Leia, when she says in a hologram to Obi-Wan, you're our only hope. All right, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's just, that's just one piece of dialogue. In this, they really seem to hit you over the head with the hope. They, it's, hope yeah, hope. Right. yeah they, really, they really do overplay it. Uh, a new hope. I, okay, we get it. We get it. Right, right, right. Uh, okay, so other examples of Mad Magazine continuity at this part so far in the film. <laughs> um, ooh, that's uh, too politically incorrect. Even for Rebel Force Radio, I'm not going to say that. Um, oh, when when Snoke gets split in two by the lightsaber. He thinks at first it's his irritable bowel syndrome flaring up again. Oh! Those are his final last words. Um, Leia says, The slowest high-speed chase in movie history is finally over. Vice Admiral Dildo sacrificed herself. What valor! And then Poe says, What a putz! Couldn't she she have done that 18 exploded escape shuttles ago? (laughs) Timing's everything. Mm. Timing is everything. And then we get to crate and oh, when when Luke hands Leia Han's golden dice, Leia mm-hmm. says, "Oh, how thoughtful." And Luke says, "Yeah, I thought bringing you a set of truck nuts would have been crass." <laughs> oh, what? You know what truck truck nuts are, aren't don't you? Mm-hmm. They hang on the uh yeah. The back yeah. of the truck, yeah. and they look like... Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gave a damn about you. All right, hold on. Don't. This is serious. Okay, I got a couple more things, and then we're mm-hmm. going to move on. Um, flaw. Why is BB-8 taken off ship when Finn, Rose, and DJ go on their undercover mission? They disguise him under a garbage can, which is a terrible idea, and eventually leads to their being caught. He's not needed. DJ was the locksmith. Rose's job was to shut down the tracker. And Finn knew his way around the Star Destroyer. So why did they take BB-8 off ship when all he was was a liability to their mission? He had no purpose. He had no purpose with them off that ship. And, uh, I mean, sure, you know, he was used later on to save them when he hijacked the scout walker to open fire in that hangar. 
but he still could have left the ship to do that. He didn't need to go with them. Couldn't you have thought of some other way for them to get busted? But they put a garbage well, can over him. I mean, you, you could have had BB-8 still on the ship and uh, Finn uh, communicating with yes. him. Yes. Hey, pick us up at these coordinates or yeah. whatever. Hey, Roundy, come pick us up. Yeah, but no, uh, they brought him with. The only purpose he served after they left their ship and were, they were sneaking around on the Star Destroyer, the only purpose he served was he was holding on to the comlink that was that was connected to Poe so they could communicate back and forth. That the only thing he did was hand the comlink or toss it over to Finn when Poe wanted an update. That's all BB-8 did on the mission. What, Finn didn't have a pocket? Right, exactly. Is that all you needed BB-8 for? Was to, to walk around with the walkie-talkie? To carry the walkie-talkie? That's ridiculous. So that's a flaw in my book. Um, mm-hmm. Another flaw. Haldo says to Leia, she likes Poe. When Leia comes up out of her coma and everything, and she just out of nowhere goes, I like him. It's like, yeah. you, you like him? You were just shooting at him last scene. Well, I, this is what I don't get. Again, we talked about the whole you know setup of Poe, in a sense. And it is a setup because they don't let him in on you know, the big secret that this is all according to plan. And, I mean, you can disagree about how great the plan is but it's all according to plan and 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 after all of this this harrowing experience and, and losing you know a, a pod after pod after pod of resistance they have this moment where it's like it's this weird moment of levity in a sense where it's like he passed our test i like him i think he's a keeper <laughs> He's got you know, I, I just, it just makes no sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. He and with Haldo, the little test we came up And with Haldo, I don't understand. It's implied that Leia and Haldo have a history together, but that alone does not make her character likable. No. No. You know, we, we, we've already it's been... It's not enough. As, as an audience member... We've already been with Poe, cheering for him for a film and a half. Then in the middle of this film, you're going to drop in a character who's going to totally diminish any sort of respect that we have for Poe, or at least that's her motivation. Then how can you like a character like that? You just can't. You simply cannot. So um, those are our flaws. I, I yeah. thought the Snoke throne room scene was amazing. I still think mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. I, I, I still really, you know, believe it or not, kids, I still really, uh, I, I, I do hold The Last Jedi in high regard. It's, it's a beautiful-looking film. Those walkers at the end on crate, the whole crate sequence as those TIE fighters are flying overhead. And, and yes, yes, I do like watching big explosions and pretty colors on the screen when I watch a Star Wars film. That's very, very important. To the entire experience. You know, some people might want to diminish you as a fan by saying, all you care about are laser blasts and explosions. Well, yeah, you know, that is something that is a top priority when watching a Star Wars film. If you think otherwise, then (laughs) you remove -hmm. remove those great elements, then it ain't Star Wars anymore. It just becomes a soap opera, okay? Yeah. 
I mean, yep. we're not in this for soap operas. We need we need the Star Wars elements to be prevalent and bold and big. We need to be wowed by the special effects. You know, you have to have that in Star Wars. Anyone who's going to diminish that and 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 insult your passion and appreciation for Star Wars because you get off on those cool things, then I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, there's there's other franchises that they should look into, and most of them happen on uh, you know Channel Two at about eleven thirty in the morning. <laughs> okay, because you're young and restless. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, hold a maneuver, Leia. Mm-hmm. Leia implies that all Paul cares about is his hero status and not the, the cause itself, not the big picture. And I thought that was terrible for the character of Poe to have to endure that sort of deconstruction of his character on screen like that. Again, here's a character we've been rooting for. And even though it's coming from Leia, well, you know, she, she, yes. was, she was dishing it out too a little bit. And I think... <sighs> I, I, I agree. And, and, you know, some might argue and they might say, well, you know, Leia was deconstructing Han in the original, particularly in episodes four and five. But it was a little bit different because a lot of what Leia was doing was deflecting the fact that she was very, very attracted to Han. So that that it, it almost works in that sense, because. You know, it's it's that uh, opposites attract kind of thing. And uh, but with Poe, there's not that element. So when she's critical of him, there's there's no double entendre. There's no other way to interpret it. There's no motivation other than it's just, you know, total legit fact uh, criticism. And I'm with you. I, I think the character deserves better. And it has earned more over the last film and a half. You're, you're so right. Absolutely. Um, uh, my last few notes here. This has gone on way longer than I thought it would. But I, I think this has been kind of an interesting Oh, I think uh, it's been breakdown. great. Um, uh, Kylo wants Ray to join him to create and rule, in his words, quote, a new order. And I was like, oh, that could be a possible episode nine title. You know, Star Wars, the Mm. new order or something, a Mm -hmm. new order. I don't know. Um, And then the last thing I wrote down, uh, Hux is the Dwight Schrute of Star Wars. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He is. He is the Dwight Schrute. He always wants to move up into higher management and sometimes thinks he is when he isn't. And Mm. it's kind of kissing butt sometimes. Always ready to assume that uh, responsibility and authority. Now, Never. does that make does that make uh, Kylo Jim? Is he Jim Halpert? <laughs> I guess that would make Snoke Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so those are it. You know, um, that's a kind of a, a critical rewatch of the Last Jedi. Again, like I said, I was really happy to do it because I felt like a lot of my opinions were getting drowned in some of the things I've been seeing on the internet, and maybe I've been kind of buying into some things without properly revisiting the film itself. I think uh, everyone owes it to themselves to refresh themselves on The Last Jedi, even if uh, 
even if you, you really don't care for much of the film, I, I think it has some very important additions to the Star Wars saga. Uh, it's Episode Eight. It's always going to be Episode Eight. That's not going to change. You can ignore it all you want, but then I think you're really missing out on the big picture. I'm not saying that you have to consider it to be your favorite film, but you do have to consider it as far as your evaluation of the Star Wars saga on a whole. And, um, and it's again, real. I mean, I, I think throughout the film itself, there are more hits than misses. And I, uh, I still think it's a, a really exciting experience to watch it, especially considering that it is the newest film of the Skywalker saga. So it's the one that I am the least familiar with. And that element alone still offers a lot of uh, attraction to me because I'm still picking out different things that I may not have considered in the, you know, the first 11 times I've seen the film. So I want to throw out here. This was, uh, I think this landed over the weekend. Uh, the holiday weekend is that a um, Lucasfilm uh, concept design supervisor, Christian Alsman, um, who, if you have the uh, the art of Star Wars: The Force Awakens, this may not be news to you. Um, but this particular concept design supervisor um, released on his, uh, I believe, is his Instagram a, a picture of a concept design of Luke Skywalker. And Jim, this you kind of see it if you have the art of Force Awakens. I'm looking at page thirty three. Um, there's a, a, a sequence of three concept uh, images, and it is a Luke Skywalker. Um, he's wearing traditional Jedi robes. It's sort of a bust shot. He's got his hair pulled back into sort of a a, a man bun, uh, you know, very sort of a Japanese samurai, sumo wrestler, I don't know, yeah. uh, pulled back. And his eyes are very cloudy, so you don't know, is he blind? Is he... It kind of has the look of uh, the king in uh, the Lord of the Rings movie when he's um, sort of under the spell of worm tongue. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, the cloudy eye. But, right. at, but at any rate, so he, he um, uh, Alzheimer, and the headline of this piece, by the way, and this is um, out of Esquire. So this isn't, you know, some, you know, fan site. It says, an early Star Wars image proves... Luke Skywalker's Last Jedi twist was planned from the beginning. And the point of this story is they see uh, Alzman's, uh, his, his Instagram post of this concept of a very disturbed and dark-looking Luke Skywalker. And his caption is, my first image I made for Star Wars The Force Awakens. This was January of 2013. And Luke was being described as a Colonel Kurtz type hiding from the world in a cave. I couldn't believe I was getting to make this image. And I got a George Fabuloso on it to boot. Now, those of us who have grown up with the, uh, the prequels and the, um, the, the great bonus features on those prequel uh, discs um, know that when George would go through the line of all the, the concept uh, illustrations and maquettes, he had a stamp. It was fabuloso, and he would he would stamp the ones that he liked, and so here you got um, Alzman saying that not only did 
uh, he get to design this based on the fact that Luke was being described as, as Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse Now, played by Marlon Brando. Um, but he, George gave his fabuloso stamp to boot. The whole point of this is saying, oh, see, you're blaming the, lo- the wrong person. It's not Ryan Johnson's fault that we get this dark Luke Skywalker. It goes all the way back to George Lucas. His original idea was that he was going to be uh, sort of this recluse character living in a cave. Uh, again, a la uh, Colonel Kurtz. By the way, in full disclosure, I have not seen Apocalypse Now. Yeah, Jim, I know it's a I big... I can tell. I can tell yeah. because the, the Colonel Kurtz in Apocalypse Now is nothing like Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. Kurtz actually believed that he was some sort of like benevolent god this ruler and he was abusive of his power that he had actually taken over this this settlement out in the jungle basically had the people the 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 tribes that were living there worshiping him and carrying out executions for him and stuff he was power thirsty and and you know just completely insane uh, Colonel Kurtz was sure. Yeah. yeah, the movie is spent. You know, the majority of the movie is spent with uh, with uh, Martin Sheen uh, taking his crew out on the river, going to find Kurtz. And I guess, in essence, some of the Force Awakens can be considered to be like that. But I see, other than the fact that they're both uh, hiding out. Uh, being reclusive and uh, shutting themselves off from society. Um, that's the only connection I make between mm. the two characters. Luke Skywalker was no Colonel Kurtz. Kurtz was insane. I thought yeah. that was the type of Luke we were going to get. That when Ray eventually found him, that like, Luke was nuts and that she would have to like kind of pull him back. Like he was forced drunk or something. Right. I, I was thinking of... Uh, d- not maybe quite as extreme as Darth Maul in the Clone Wars, but something similar to that. Um, but th- this whole piece in Esquire, uh, written by Matt Miller, uh, he's using it, and this is it. He says, "Look, this should work." This so this uh, Instagram pro- post uh, by Christian Alsman of this Luke Skywalker image, which this isn't the first time it's been it's been seen. It's the first time it's been seen, I think, with this type of clarity because. What you see in the art of the Force Awakens book is the, the, the image is kind of obscured with a lot of shadow and effects. Uh, but this strips it away. and You can see very clearly um, that, you know, you're dealing with a, a damaged Luke, uh, uh, you know, a Luke that perhaps doesn't have all of his faculties. Um, but he says this should prove his unequivocal proof to haters that Ryan Johnson's depiction of Luke Skywalker was not a massive screw up but a complex character arc that had been planned from the beginning by, of course, George Lucas. So here, here, here's more of this. Well, don't blame Ryan Johnson. It's George Lucas's fault. George didn't write this movie. George didn't direct this movie. Uh, in fact, the hired gun that George uh, had in place, uh, Michael Arndt, to write the movie, uh, was also let go. So it's a little weird that, um, you know, all of a sudden here comes Esquire, uh, three years later to say, yeah, that Luke Skywalker, you didn't like, that was all George Lucas. Well, you know, somebody Lucasfilm PR has a friend at Esquire and Hey, he'll spin this. He'll spin this thing and blame George. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, But 
you know, it was an interesting concept. And by the way, I mean, I, I don't doubt, you know, Alsman, um, uh, he has no reason to, to uh, you know, stretch the truth on his Instagram. But he, I would look at that. I wouldn't necessarily assume that, that, you know, Luke is dark. I would assume that Luke's been through some, some stuff. You know, he's been through some battles. So at any rate, well, you know what? Let's um, switch gears here. Let's go to the voicemail inbox. We got this uh, over the holiday break. Hi, Jason. Hi, Jimmy. This is uh, Bob Iger, the Iger Sanction, calling with uh, holiday greetings to you in the RFR community. I'm most grateful for the two of you. <laughs> uh, I've got my Swanson Hungry Man turkey dinner defrosting in the fridge. I'm hoping that Hayden Christensen could come over and uh, float some of the bits before me. He's so dreamy. <laughs> uh, we have two new projects in the pipeline. One is Cool Hand Luke Skywalker. He's only got one left. <laughs> He's going to uh, enter an egg-eating contest at the Cantina in Tatooine. This happens before uh, he builds the lightsaber and goes to rescue Han. And... Uh, when he finds out where the eggs are from, he's going to have to perform a tontonectomy on himself. But keep that <laughs> under your hat. Uh, the second one is our first Star Wars game show. It's going to be a reboot of the Hollywood Squares uh, called Coruscant Squares. But I think I'm going to have to uh, change the name on that one because Coruscant, I believe, was uh, blown up uh, in uh, The Force Awakens. Close. So we'll have to work on that. But we've got C-3PO in the Paul Lind role. <laughs> and uh, we're trying to get Palpatine as the uh, center square, but uh, he's got this issue with heights for some reason uh two other uh personal notes uh does anybody want to share a room for the uh, convention keep me in mind and i'm also looking for the six inch black series Han solo best figure i heard it's out i can't find it uh i've got Han, uh, harrison ford i should say uh circling the area in his plane looking for it oh the irony anyway i'm uh all the best for this holiday season to you and yours and uh, to the RFR community. And I look forward to uh, speaking to you sometime soon. Take care. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Uh, CEO of Disney, uh, Bob Iger. Well, you know, for someone as busy as Bob to take the time out and uh, wish us here at Rebel Force Radio and uh, all of our listeners a happy holiday season, that that just gives you a sense of the man behind the big mahogany desk. Yeah, absolutely. And let's break down some of that exclusive news he dropped on us. Uh, expect a, a standalone film, Cool Hand Luke Skywalker, uh, featuring an egg-eating contest at the cantina. Um, sounds pretty compelling. Sounds like pre-production is already well underway there. And uh, a, a TV show, Coruscant Squares. He did get that wrong about Coruscant being destroyed in... Uh, the Force Awakens. That was actually the Hossian Prime system. Mm -hmm. But uh, quite honestly, after I saw Force Awakens the first time, I thought it was Coruscant myself. So, um, but uh, no, no reason why it shouldn't have been Coruscant. Honestly, <laughs> it would have made a lot more sense. Hey, you know, you got uh, Tatooine starring as Jakku. Yeah. You have Hossian Prime starring as Coruscant. You have Starkiller Base starring as Hoth. So uh, and the Death Star, so he gets two and roles. The yeah, right, right. It was a multi-role. Yeah. Um, but Coruscant Squares, new game show featuring C three PO in the Paul Lin role, which is actually some pretty inspired casting right there. So uh, thank you, Bob Iger, and um, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving with your 
Swanson TV dinner, but uh, maybe things will be looking up for you and you'll be invited to the big boy table for Christmas. <laughs> I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right, all eyes on YouTube as uh, Lucasfilm announces that there's a brand new uh, Star Wars YouTube channel, Star Wars Kids, and that's hitting the web. Actually, it's, uh, it's available now, and as a part of that channel, there's going to be some exclusive content, including... A brand new uh, micro series. These are animated shorts that are in uh, anime style, uh, an anime style, and telling various tales from the uh, Star Wars saga. That's kind so, of anime. I, I don't know. I no, mean, it's anime. What I constitutes anime. anime nowadays? I mean, they they were saying that about Resistance, and I don't. I don't really get anime well, vibes from no, Resistance. No, 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 no. I, I, this is much more anime than 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 Resistance is. Resistance, Resistance isn't necessarily if anime. An, is anime it's, your way of just saying done on the cheap? Because no, these look like they're done on the cheap. They really no, do. No, I mean, if you look at look at the eyes, look at the eyebrows, look at the the way the faces, the little kind of like pug noses that the characters have in this. Uh, this is this is that anime style. I mean, this is this is very much anime. I wouldn't say Resistance is anime. I think when people say all oh, Resistance has got an anime vibe to it, yeah, that is probably saying this is you know animation that's. Uh, just has a more, I don't know, I, 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 I guess a cheaper look, a more 2D look. Um, there's kind of that sort of that shakiness around the eyes. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not, I just don't have the, you know, the vocabulary to explain all the, the nuances of this stuff. Well, but, so I mean, let's break it all down. Anime. Let's yeah. just break it all down. What the uh, essential essence of this is, is, uh, taking iconic moments from the Star Wars film history, mm-hmm. taking the soundtrack, the, the vocal soundtrack, all of the dialogue, lifting it from those films and cre- recreating those moments yep. animated style. And, and maybe not necessarily as accurately as it was. You know, it, it won't be exactly beat for beat what you see in the film. So it's kind of a different take on the original Star Wars trilogy. I don't really have too many hang-ups about it myself. One thing I'm happy about is that, unlike Forces of Destiny, it, it doesn't appear that the prime motivating factor for this series is to sell dolls and toys. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. Is, it, it's being used to actually educate younger kids and provide them with a gateway in the Star Wars. I think yep. Star Wars Lego does a very good job of that. Uh, Howbeit, it's it's very slapsticky, and uh, I mean, quite honestly, I, I'm not a very big fan of Star Wars Lego. I, I've you know I've seen it a few times. I just I can't bring myself to really watch it. Um, unlike Star, I love it. I love yeah, you it. do. I, See yeah, yeah. now, um, and I, I know you probably feel differently about Star Wars Resistance, but. Um, See, that's I, I feel like I can watch Star Wars Resistance a lot easier than I can watch Star Wars Legacy. I have a new I have a new name for Star Wars Resistance. Uh, yes, uh, I saw this on a recent email. Yes, yes, I call it I call it Swino. Swino. Why do you call yeah. it Swino? Does that Star stand Wars, for something? It stands for Star Wars in name only. 
Meaning it, it could be anything, but you slap the Star Wars logo on it. You throw a few uh, you know, stage doilies in the background of you know, Star Wars characters, and boom, all of a sudden you've got, you know, you got a Star War. Something uh, Star Wars Resistance did on its last episode was uh, two really strong things. It brought in an element from the sequel trilogy, which were the Guavian Death Gang. We got to see them animated. Um, they didn't really pose an intimidating threat like they did in The Force Awakens, but they were still there, and it was cool to see them animated. And the other thing is, is it finally finally featured a race i thought the show was supposed to be more about the racers and you know getting i thought it would be more like a speed racer in space kind of show and i think that's where the best potential for the show lies at this point um because otherwise then you are right it it can slip into that star wars in name only where it's just like star wars is in the backdrop and uh, i but so if you add that element of, of speed and racing into it. I, I love the pod race in episode one, and I, I grew up loving Speed Racer, so I think that's a good mashup if they can pull it off a little more effectively. Unfortunately with Star Wars Resistance, um, the show, while it is fun, it's it, it really is kind of dragging along a little bit, and uh, and, and that's a little unfortunate, but um, Star Wars uh, Galaxy of Adventures, I don't think is anything that we can even hold up to a series like Resistance or Rebels or Clone Wars. It's going to be a series of shorts. For the most part, it looks like it's going to be stuff taken from the Star Wars saga, episodes one through six, and uh, using the dialogue tracks, adding animation to those. And using it to launch this website of theirs, the Star Wars Kids YouTube channel. Right. It, but there is, um, if you look at the trailer, and it, it happens pretty quick, but you do see uh, a recreation or a retelling of a scene from uh, the solo movie. So it's not just one through six. Oh, uh, I didn't catch you, that. Yeah, you do see young Han, the sort of the Alden Ehrenreich uh, version of Han. I will say one of the things that I found most interesting about this is in the official announcement at StarWars.com, um, they have some quotes in here by who is this? Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Gary, is it Gary? Whoa, what's the name? Where, where, where are we at here? What's the name of this? Uh, Gary, whoa. Is it Gary? I don't know. <laughs> oh, James Woe. I'm sorry. James Woe. This is the uh, Lucasfilm Vice President for Franchise Content and Strategery. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking about that this is really about a, a, a way to celebrate uh, the universe that they love. He says Galaxy Adventures does just that, providing a kid-friendly entry point into some of the greatest characters, moments, and themes from Star Wars at large. With Episode Nine coming in December and being the conclusion of the Skywalker saga, the long journey over 40 years of storytelling comes to its end. Galaxy of Adventures walks through the greatest moments and themes of those stories and leads us here to introduce a new generation to them in time for many to see this finale. So, you know, out of the mouths of babes, out of the mouths of a press release, uh, all about uh, kids' content on YouTube. Uh, Jim, this is a, a this is for anyone that was doubting whether or not that we were really approaching the end of 
the Skywalker saga. Uh, this is proof. This is proof. They're moving on. They're moving on. They want to get past the possibility of anybody arguing about Luke, about Leia, about Harrison Ford and coming back as hot. They want to move past all of that. They want to kill the past, bury the past, kill it if you have to, whatever, so they can move on and tell new stories, new Disney Star Wars, not the old Star Wars, the new stuff. So this really, this galaxy of adventures is a big old bye bye Oh, this is the uh, the the victory lap here. Uh, before, yeah, that's yeah. exactly that's exactly what this is. Well, uh, uh, you know, I I don't know if this is necessarily like shoveling dirt onto the casket that is original Star Wars. Um, I, I'm not looking at it that deeply. Obviously, they're using it as a way to introduce kids into Star Wars. Uh, uh, new ways to explore the content. I, I always thought Star Wars was for kids to begin with. Exactly. It had, it had that appeal to attract families, but it just seems like the push is, is, is to make it more and more um, simplistic for very young viewers, like like the age of uh, your kids, and, mm-hmm. and to, mm-hmm. the, you know, to the point where they can uh, really uh, latch on to it and then maybe start exploring the films after that. I wouldn't look at this as any sort of swan song for the, uh, the characters. Well, I, I, I do, I, I do it, tell that to James White. Right. He, does, he does take note of that, but I think it's just a great way to get younger kids up to speed so that when Episode Nine is released, even if they haven't had time to sit down and watch all the previous eight films, they'll at least have some sort of working foundation, some sort of knowledge going into Episode Nine that will provide the backbone for them going to that film. So, I mean, I, that's well, that's a really good point. That, that, that's a great point. This is, this is sort of the, um, the cliff notes version mm-hmm. for the kids, for little kids, little yep, kids going into episode nine. That's, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a real good point. But, but that really jumped out at me that this is, uh, they're very, very serious over there. They're very serious. This is it. Yeah, yeah, um, this, it's going to be a, a year long, as, as it says in the press release, a year long celebration of Star Wars storytelling. But it's also going to be hard marketing, letting us know that this is the conclusion. This is going to be it. So by the time the Game of Thrones guys get around to releasing their series of Star Wars films, three, four years from now, uh, yeah, and I am putting that larger window onto it because I think that's necessary, especially if you're going to be launching the saga into all new areas and stuff. You need time to develop this stuff. George Lucas started writing episode one in 1994. That film didn't get released till 99. I, I really think that these stories need to be researched and fleshed out and really solid before any sort of release date gets announced. That was the first news we got when Disney bought Star Wars was release dates. I mean, it was just like instant. Hey, here's an idea. Come up with a concept and an actual game plan before you start announcing release dates. That, I think, is the thing that's handicapped Star Wars at this point. And when people want to talk about it, was Ryan Johnson the wrong guy for the job? I think the fact that they didn't have a solid game plan has really become the thing that we can point to as far as handicapping the actual uh, effectiveness of the way the sequel trilogy is being rolled out. No um, doubt. You know, and that's, I'm not saying good or bad. I'm saying effectiveness. 
let's look at it. You know, how effective is this? Or is this starting to feel like a rush job? I don't know. Again, the jury is still out until December 2019. If if it can all be wrapped up real nicely, I mean, this this is a huge responsibility. Nine films, concluding the entire saga. I mean, it has to pull it all together in such a way that won't send people, you know, into total despair. (laughs) Because this is it, pal. This is it. I think if you want to talk about Lucasfilm animation, I don't think this is anything that we could really sink our teeth into. I think it's kind of clever how they're taking original dialogue and then they're going to be animating that. I sort of like that. It does amplify the fact that there are no more original ideas in Hollywood. But again... Again, this is just sort of a retelling, wow. you know, a more simple thing for Star Wars kids. It's it's for kids. So, um, you know, I, I think it'll be kind of interesting for us old school adult fans to look at. But um, I, I don't think any sort of like advanced dissection of these shorts is going to be anything. Well, no, no, because we've seen it and heard it, literally heard it all before. Right. Uh, it's going to be hitting Star Wars. Now, now the Star Wars kids. Uh, dot com website and the uh, YouTube channel. They're already available. Um, they are online. And right now you've got, if you look, if you go to uh, the YouTube channel, Star Wars Kids, and I've, I've subscribed uh, so I can keep an eye on, they've got uh, the first two episodes of Resistance, which I think is kind of telling that that's found a home there on Star Wars Kids. Um, recruits part one and two is there. And then this trailer for star Wars galaxy of adventures. Um, so let's listen. This is the trailer. So again, this sort of, um, cements the fact you, you, you've literally heard it all before, but you haven't seen it quite like this in the star Wars galaxy adventure awaits in a thrilling new series of shorts. So team up with your friends. Are you sure this thing is safe? Grab your lightsaber. This is the weapon of the Jedi Knight. Fix your starship. How's this? Use the Force. All too easy. Luke, you switched off your targeting computer. And stand up to evil. I want to know what happened to the plans they sent you. I don't know what you're talking about. Punch him! Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures. Coming soon to the all-new Star Wars Kids YouTube channel. All right, well, now that you've heard our take on this uh, new Star Wars project, this, I guess, animated miniseries, you might say, let's hear what the kids think. I mean, after all, this thing is going to be on Star Wars Kids, so uh, we went and found someone who fit the demo of this new YouTube channel and this series. So I found my own daughter, Bailey. Hello, Bailey. All right, get closer to the mic. All the other kids we found, uh, we needed parental consent from, and we couldn't get that. So we're keeping it in the family. Absolutely. I don't want to have to deal with waivers and all that other stuff. No, it's great to have. Bailey hasn't been on the show for a while. Actually, her brother Parker was on not that long ago doing his uh, uh, crazy Star Wars impressions. Um, Always a crowd pleaser. (laughs) Do you do any impressions, Bailey, or is that just uh, your brother has that talent? I'm pretty sure that's just his talent, and I'll let him do that so he can get some. Oh, good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get, yes. Some, get some attention. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I, Bailey is going to provide a unique perspective on this because not only is she a Star Wars fan, but she's also a bit of an artist and really, really loves anime. 
And it wasn't that long ago, Bailey, we were watching a YouTube video that Uncle Paul from the UK uh, sent. And uh, Jim, you may remember this. This was a sort of an underground, unofficial reimagining of A New Hope, part of A New Hope. I think it was the, 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 the trench run done anime style. Do you remember that when Paul sent that video? It was making the rounds. I, I don't recall the trench run, but I, I do know of one called TIE Fighter. And that's, that's uh, what I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, I think I, that is the one you're thinking of. I'm conflating what we've seen with Galaxy of Adventures and, and this one. But anyway, so when, when Bailey and I uh, saw that, um, Bailey, you remember what you said you wanted? I so wanted it to get promoted, and I was disappointed that it didn't because I was so excited to see what it would look like, what would happen if that actually, you know, became a thing. Yeah, and so now we're kind of getting it. I mean, these are going to be like little shorts, but as someone who's seen all of the Star Wars movies, why do you think it's important or why do you think it's cool to sort of re-envision it when we've already, we've already got the movies, so, so why this? Well, I think it's very cool that they could change the style. So, you know, maybe there are other anime fans, you know. I've always wanted there to be, you know, I always like to draw Star Wars characters in anime styles. And now I actually get to see kind of what that would actually look like. And I just think it's really cool that they changed the style. And they might change a couple little different things, too, to make their own little torque to it, I think. Yeah. All right, so you've noticed that they use the actual voices from the movie. Yes. Okay. Do you think that's cool, or do you think they should have gone and used, like, new voices? Well, there's um, pros and cons. I think that it's very cool that they got, you know, the same voices. But I don't know. Just to me, that almost sounded a bit funny. Like, maybe it could have been cool if they would have gotten someone else to do that voice, because some other people might out there, out there might actually want to do the voice of, you know, one of those characters. They could have had a chance. So you said it sounded funny. You mean it's kind of odd when you see the, yeah. mm-hmm. the familiar voices with the yeah. new face. Yeah, I thought so, too. I thought so, too. Um, but our, our, our pal uh, uh, Uncle F.J., We'll say Uncle FJ. He's, he's the dirty old uncle. He, uh, he, he and I were going back and forth on email, and he said, I think it's a, he, said, he thought it was a good idea to use the, the, the film voices um, because it's, this is about introducing you know, the, the, these stories and these characters to a, to a younger generation. Now, Bailey, as far as you're concerned... Um, does this make you want to see like more of this kind of thing? Yes. If I really like the um, first one that they're going to do, I would definitely like to see more because there are other movies like I'd be curious to see, well, what does this character look like in that style? And mm. I'd like to see, you know, what else they could do with that. What one Star Wars character would you really love to see done anime style? I have really, I have, well, I think this character would look super cool in an anime style. I think... If you look up, like, anime of this character, I think it, some stuff could probably look up. But, like, in their style, I would love to see Queen Amidala or Padme. Mm. I think that would be really cool because of her costumes and her hair. Like, that could be super cool. Well, she has, like, an Asian style yeah. anyway. I mean, that's what George Lucas was kind of thinking of uh, with the face painting and all of that. Uh, who else would you like to see anime style? Well, since my favorite character is this character, I would love to see Rey. In the style. Mm. I'm always trying to draw Ray. 
right? Well, I mean, that is one thing. I mean, if you if you look up Star Wars characters and you know you put like Ray anime or um, some of the other like what Chibi and some of these other like little cutesy styles. Oh, you have another one. Okay, mm-hmm. who who who's that? Um, I would like to see Luke from like maybe like Force of Awa- Force Awakens or like The Last Jedi, like in robes. Like I think that could be really cool. like old man Luke, yeah, grumpy old, old Luke. Luke. Yeah, grumpy old Luke anime <laughs> style. What do you think in anime he'd look more grumpy and grizzled or less grumpy and grizzled? Um, well, since I know anime, I think he probably would be more grumpy and grizzled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be fun to watch him spearfish in anime. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> And uh, milking sea cows. Oh, the, what a, the what a sea hoot. cow in anime style. Um, what a hoot that would be. They would probably, um, I mean, in anime, like, they take something and they always, I think, make it more dramatic. Right, right. <laughs> so they may make, they probably would make it more dramatic. What do you think in general about uh, Star Wars launching? You're a big YouTube fan, a yes. big YouTube watcher. What do you think about Star Wars launching a YouTube, a Star Wars kids channel? That would actually be pretty cool because, you know, I guess Star Wars, you know, maybe some parents, you know, might not want their kids watching it. I just think it would be really cool to see a kid's version of it. So, you know, maybe littler kids could watch it, too, if you kind of know what I mean. Like, little kids could have fun watching Star Wars 2, and they could fall in love with it, just like you did, because you were a little kid when you saw it, and you're like, I I love this. Right, but here's here's the interesting thing. I was a little kid, but I saw, you know, the original movies. Why do you think, or or do you think now, as a very old 10-year-old, yes. that <laughs> it's important or, or uh, it's good to have sort of these, you know, uh, you think about, like, Star Wars Lego. Um, think about um, the, you know, like the Freemaker Adventures, which we've watched a little bit of. Uh, even Resistance, which you haven't seen much of yet. You saw a little bit of it. I do, and I want to see more because it looks totally awesome. Oh, there! all right. See, there you go, folks. Oh. See, I'm not uh, uh-huh. I'm not influencing my kid that much, obviously. What about the Forces of Destiny shorts? I Did those love- come across your desk? You love them, huh? I love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's doing a little happy dance here, which you can't see. So, um... But wh- why do you think that that's uh, necessary um, if, the mo- if the originals are so good? What is it about these other interpretations that you like so much? Um, like, basically, like, why do I think it's more, like, important of, like, making the Lego things of Star Wars? Well, yeah, so you've got the original movies, obviously, but for, for maybe kids like Parker's age, your brother's age, why is it important to have, like, some of these, like, s- little animated things and rather than sitting him down and watching the movie? Well, I think some kids, you know, younger kids like my brother, especially because I've experienced it when we're watching the movie, he does tend to get bored. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't get as bored because I'm older, but I think when he's watching the Lego movies are like these, you know, bright colored characters, it keeps the little one's eyes connected to the screen more instead of wandering off and doing something else. Yeah. Um, like Parker likes to play the piano. Um, it will keep him from doing that. So I think it'll keep kids' attention more to see these, like, cartoon character styles in Lego, especially because it's hilarious. Hmm. There are a lot of, like, you know, new twerks. And, like, when there's a really serious part, they always try to make it funny so that little kids, you know, won't maybe get scared or think it's, you know, funny. Well, that did, that did help Parker. Uh, he was a little bit scared there of the Emperor and the Emperor's throne room scene in Return of the Jedi. But once he watched the Lego uh, version, 
he laughed at it, and then when he went back and watched the, the movie, he wasn't as scared. That also helped him with Anakin. Remember, he was terrified of it, and he kept wanting to... My brother was terrified of Anakin getting all burnt up on that lava planet when mm. um, Obi-Wan just kind of, like, cuts off, like, his arms and legs and stuff. He was afraid of that, and it's a bit disturbing, I think, too. Well, but one, he, the, one to film a PG-13 rating, so, yes, so obviously so. it's geared toward an older audience. So my dad showed him and me the bloopers of it, and he and the actor, Hayden Christensen, Christensen, I can't even say it, he made it kind of funny, and also when we were watching the Lego thing, they also made it funny. So then, we're, so then Parker's like, oh, this is actually not that scary. Yeah, if you're laughing, you can't be scared yeah. at the same time, right? <laughs> so a couple benefits that I'm noting right out of the box. Uh, number one, it can be used as a way to sort of soften the blow of some of the more heavier moments in the films. Mm-hmm. And uh, number two, it's bright and colorful, and it'll keep the kids' attention so they won't go off and play piano. And uh, anything that keeps a six-year-old away from the piano is a, a positive thing in my book. Yes. Yes, if you've heard a six-year-old play. All right. Well, hey, Bailey, thanks for uh, being on the show. You're welcome, and I hope that I get to see this anime thing because I'm super excited about it, and I hope I wow. did um, an okay job of saying this stuff. Oh, Bailey, uh, before you go, let me just say to you, it's been a pleasure to get your review here. You're a very intelligent, articulate, and well-spoken young lady. I cannot believe that you are your father's daughter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Say good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Well, if you're out there saying, well, why didn't they talk about this? Why didn't they talk about that? We got lots more to cover, and we'll be doing that here, as we always do each and every week on Rebel Force Radio. Uh, some uh, more rumors about Episode 9, uh, including... What have we here? Perhaps. The legacy continues. The Calrissian legacy continues. Plus... Uh, this kind of weird statement uh, made by uh, for the uh, former foreign secretary of Northern Ireland, I believe, uh, Boris Johnson, at a recent conference talking about a new Star Wars movie from George Lucas being shot over there. Well, we'll analyze that and so much more coming up next week as we continue to count down. The weeks, the months, until the finale of the Skywalker saga. Jim, they're really ratcheting that up. That's what they're billing Episode 9 as. Get to theaters to see the end. You know, according to Mad Magazine, (laughs) in Episode 9, our heroes will be confronting a danger greater than any that they've ever faced before. You want to know what that danger is? The pissed off fans. If you really oh, want to, go, uh, if you really want really? to go to the dark side, try social media. 
<laughs> Forget the Yuzhan Vong. It's uh, fans on Twitter. That's really what oh, it's I love about. Mad Magazine. Wow. <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate the fact that we were able to sort of, uh, as we approach almost the one-year anniversary of The Last Jedi, to sort of revisit it. And um, you're so right, looking at it once again from our own point of view and not through the influence of uh, you know, all the noise that can be found online. Uh, you know, everything that you love, what you're passionate about, your likes, your dislikes, it's very personal. You should have your own opinions about all that and uh, as i said on rfr rush hour this week you know I'll, I'll take a bad star wars movie over a good just about anything else yeah it's something that really motivated me to refresh my perspective on the film was uh somebody called me out as being a last jedi hater and um i uh, refute that i say you can still be passionate about something you can still have a desire to like something while being critical about it at the same time. I, I think that critical discussion, especially with Star Wars stories that are going to challenge us like The Last Jedi has, I, I think that's important to the overall analysis of the film. And um, like I said, my uh, recent viewing of the film amplified the things I loved about it and unfortunately shined a spotlight on some of the flaws as well. But I think we can talk about it like adults and uh, still profess a love for Star Wars while looking at it critically. And uh, I have uh, I, I think that's part of the fun, quite honestly. I think that's part of the fun. I totally agree. Couldn't agree more. That's why we have a podcast where we sit around and talk about this stuff. Um, I don't know when we got so afraid of other people's opinions. Well, you're not, because you're listening to this show. Uh, and we appreciate it very much. Don't forget, we are on Patreon. You can get uh, RFR All Access. That's only available at patreon.com. You'll never miss an episode of our bonus content, like the aforementioned RFR Rush Hour. We also have RFR Rewind, RFR Q&A, and a whole lot more. That's all at patreon.com slash Radio. Um... Email address, show at rebelforceradio.com. The voicemail lines, uh, 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. We're on Facebook. The official website is rebelforceradio.com. Don't forget about the merch. We are in the gift-giving season. And what better thing to get your Star Wars fan, your favorite Star Wars fan, than a Rebel Force Radio t-shirt or mug or cap. Great stuff there in the store. Also, iTunes, the best place to subscribe and review your favorite podcasts, including Rebel Force Radio. Just one rule on those reviews, please. Make them good. And you can find Rebel Force Radio streaming everywhere online, including at WGNplus.com. We're, we're, we, we're also on YouTube, so when you subscribe to the Star Wars Kids channel, also please subscribe to Rebel Force Radio. Uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and uh, anywhere you can find podcasts these days we'll see you next time for rebel force radio i'm jason i'm jimmy mack and remember the force will be with you always
That's it.